It's something that's mission critical and that has high complexity and a lot of effort to be able to not just install, but also to change people's behavior. The more complex it is, the more you're going to lose to indecision. Where someone will, at any of these decision points, push back and say, hold on, we got to stop. Welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful, both personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions. And all you have to do is fill them. I'm excited about today's podcast. Uh, we're going to kind of build on what we talked a little bit last week, getting into complex sales. And I, I mentioned this last week, but Rusty is kind of the man the myth, the legend when it comes to complex sales. So excited to kind of go through today's session, which is called the six decisions. The six uh, decisions. Six decisions. So Rusty and I have been through a lot of sales methodologies and trainings and and things over the course of our career. And um, Rusty's kind of taken the best of all those things and and combined them into something that he's kind of built for himself. That's the six decisions overall. Start us off, Rusty, just by explaining what are the six decisions? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of different sales methodologies and processes out there where everybody has a different idea on how sales process should be done and executed. And what you find out is that there's a lot of good that comes from all of them. There's a lot of good methods. There's a lot of good options. There's a lot of good concepts. But some of them are focused more on customers, like customer-centric selling. Some of them are more focused on steps and tasks that sales reps complete to kind of determine a method. But the six decisions is really aligned to really the stages of how a sale progresses. So in any complex environment where you're selling deals, you have opportunities maybe in Salesforce or whatever CRM you have, you have stages or points of progression that a sale goes through. You have early stage pipeline, late stage pipeline, and people try to break it up and decide on what those stages are. And those stages are often determined by what steps the sales rep themselves have completed. So have I gone through and showed a demo of the platform? Have I shown pricing? Have we had a scoping call? And a lot of times salespeople think of it that way. Uh, This is what the sales process is. Here's the steps I typically go through. And if I've done these steps, this is where I am. And it's actually a view that's very much centered on the salesperson and the salesperson's process versus the customer and the customer's process. So what the six decisions are is there are six distinctive points in which the sale changes based on what a customer is thinking and the progression that the customer is making in their buying process. And I think it's important to to look at it that way which is what is a customer doing and what are they thinking as they progress through their process versus focusing on what you're doing and how you're progressing through yours. And when you can center in on what a, on the decisions that a customer is making and helping them to make those decisions, you'll have a lot more success than focusing on what you're doing and what steps you're taking. Yeah. And I think a lot of times sales reps, including myself, we like to skip steps we like to get to the end as quickly as possible. And a lot of that is just, just how society functions today. But I think salespeople specifically, again, I lump myself into this grouping. We like to take the path of least resistance and make it as easy for ourselves as possible. And as a result of that, there are times that we think to ourselves, 
oh, maybe I can not deal with that this time because I lost a deal before by engaging finance. Maybe I can skip the engaging of finance this yeah, exactly. time. And it can impact us in a really negative way. So maybe let's start. Do you, do you want to just start with decision number one and just go down and, and talk about each one individually and what step they're in? Yeah, I think I think as a salesperson, one of the things you really have to understand is how companies make decisions, mm-hmm. how they actually go through buying processes, because we're we're taught from the very beginning of our early stages of sales that when people go to make decisions, that they somehow have a decision maker. Mm-hmm. There's this person who just makes decisions as to what they want to buy. And in complex sales, it's not that way because you're dealing with things that are very expensive and you're dealing with things where you need multiple different groups of people adding input and expertise to be able to make a decision. So if you were to sell to an executive and you were to say, hey, I want you to replace all of your contact center infrastructure or all of your revenue operations technology or all of your unified communication systems, if you're making requests like that, there isn't typically an executive at the top who can just make those decisions. There's no particular decision maker. There's an executive who will decide, but that is relying on the rest of their organization to be able to provide them with the information and context needed to make a decision. So it's not so much about finding a decision maker. What it is about is it's about progressing through a committee of people who are all working in concert and making actually several different decisions. And there are six of them. I guess the best way to understand it is to, to walk through a buying process. Yep. So let's just take an example of, let's say, a sales development leader. So a VP of sales development wants to go through and work with their team to acquire new technology. So let's say there's a director who's encountered a problem. Our processes for outreach and communication are too manual. We have a phone system that's separate from an email system that's separate from our, our LinkedIn activity and our social system. And it's hard to organize all of these communication tactics into a sequence or a cadence that is clean and concise. So this is a problem that keeps coming up. It's hard to track, it's hard to manage, and it's hard to facilitate those communication interactions. So a sales development director says, look, this is a problem that they've identified. And the first decision that has to be made in a company, if you want to buy the technology, is a director may go to a sales development VP and say, here is a problem that I'm encountering. I've had a couple of conversations with some vendors. I've had a, a couple of discussions where I've, where I've identified that there is a solution out there, which is a sales engagement software that can help facilitate this process. And I feel like it's something that I should go through and evaluate. And the first decision that has to be made is that that VP of sales development grants permission to the director of sales development to actually go through and pursue an initial evaluation. That's the first decision. So a director might do some research, have some conversations, but they have to decide, hey, yes, it's okay to spend some time and do some initial research into this concept. First I decision. Re- I remember doing this um, exact thing back in the day. <laughs> when I started doing sales development, there wasn't a thing called outreach. There wasn't a thing called sales loft. There were, you know, um, In fact, I think one of the first ones that came out was Tout App way back when. And I think I think I investigated Tout App like within its first year of of creation, which is like the first sequencing tool overall. But yeah, I mean, I went to I went to my leader and said, "Hey, this is a problem we have. We need to go fix this problem." And I'm pretty sure the first three times I brought it up, the answer was, "Nah, you can figure it out without it." 
Exactly. The end. So the initial decision was no. Yeah, decision was no. No no step two decision. That's right. <laughs> so, and that first decision happened usually after the first discovery calls. So you'd go and talk to mm-hmm. a vendor, get some, get some information and have a discovery call. But after that, you would bring that information to your VP and say, here's what I'm thinking. And then you'd get a yes or a no to progress. Yep. Now, what then would typically happen is you have a director of sales development who would then say, okay, I'm going to go and research this technology further. They'd probably grab some people on their team and they would go through and do some initial valuation to progress to the next decision point. Now, the next decision point is to be able to collect more detailed information and to start building kind of a better basis of what the evaluation looks like, what the, what the implementation of this technology looks like, and to gain more information about it. And then the next decision that has to be made, the second decision, is that the company needs to decide to expand the sphere of influence and engage other resources and divisions. So in this case, you would need to be able to bring in IT who would help to more seriously evaluate the technology itself and how it integrates with systems, marketing, to kind of come in and understand how to, how to help build some of these sequences and cadences to kind of coordinate, and then you have sales development. Yeah. And you know that this is a second decision that it's actually kind of critical because you're literally committing more resources of the company and more people, you're taking them away from what they're typically doing to come and help donate expertise to the evaluation process. Mm-hmm. So though, when you think about the, the decision that's being made is you're deciding to expand the sphere and spend political capital to bring other people into the decision. And that's the second decision. You know, what's interesting about these first two decisions is I think... A lot of times salespeople don't believe that they have the responsibility to help people make those decisions. No, they don't. They, they think that like those are decisions that are made before I get in touch, I get involved. Right. And I know in last week's episode, we talked a little bit about the whole latent versus active need scenario. The greatest salespeople, they're going to help internally their champion so me in the scenario of buying a tool like an outreach or sales loft or, you know the old tout app that i bought when it first was released it was their job to help me sell that internally right to help me get the first decision to be yes i will investigate right and then the second thing is a lot of times the sales reps you've seen the problems that come down the line when we don't involve IT or we don't involve finance, right? And so you need to help the sales, the person buying the product, decide who, what part of the buying committee needs to be involved. Who should I be asking to join demos? Who do I need to introduce you to, right? I don't know the answer to that question all the time, but you've you've sold your product before, and if you haven't, hopefully someone else at your company has, and you should ask them, which, you know, who shouldn't be involved in the buying committee here? Right. We might not need to ask the janitorial group, right? They, they may have nothing to do with what we're purchasing. Right. So no need to involve them, but you need to tell me who do I involve to, to make decision number two. Correct. Right. Because once you decide to bring everybody in, you got to know who they are and they've got to get involved or else you're not really progressing yourself mm-hmm. in a serious process. So then the third decision that's made is that that evaluation committee or that group of people has to make a decision on a short list of vendors that they want to submit for approval. 
So they make a decision as, do we really want to pursue this project? So as they go through the evaluation process, they're, they're deciding that. And then they need to decide who they're going to put through this process. So they're evaluating vendors. They're looking at all the different aspects of what it's going to take to implement, what the capabilities are, what the prices are. They're comparison, comparing everything very carefully. They're donating their expertise and network knowledge, integration knowledge. They're donating expertise in terms of, of implementation, execution, and project management knowledge, everything that's required to be able to get this process and this project completed. And they're weighing in and discussing, debating, and going through a series of objections and concerns as they go through the valuation process. But they need to decide who is it, if we're going to move forward this project one, and who is it that we're going to recommend to the executive committee. And a lot of times at this point, like people in IT and others will say, we're, I'm the decision maker. Who's the decision maker? I am. It's all they, me. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're not lying. They are. They are deciding who they're going to submit to the executive team, but that doesn't mean that they're going to decide to buy. And many salespeople make a mistake at this point where they feel like if they're going to be recommended, that that's the decision they need to complete the process. But they're only, they're only at a third of six decisions. Now this, this is a pretty important one, but I will say that, you know, from the buyer there are times that I feel like I get a lot of frustration from the sales rep when I'm including other vendors, especially when that vendor specifically has helped me with decision one and two. But I, coming from experience here, there are companies that will require you to have multiple vendors in. Like you will not win a deal being the only vendor in at some organizations because some organizations, a previous one that I worked for, part of the PO process was to write down the entire list of people that you looked at, the pros and cons of each, and what the pricing structure was for each of those services, for each of those vendors. They have to have that to submit the PO. And so just expect that they're going to talk to your competitors at times, right? And help them create a short list that ensures you're going to win. Yeah. It's just good business. You, mm-hmm. know, you, you can't just pick one vendor, just try to go forward on that. You have to have multiple options and, and companies will formally require that. Yeah. Especially if you're selling, especially if you're selling a product that is like a critical thing for a company to function. Yes. Right. If it's something that like can make or break a business, then you better believe they're going to be, thorough. Yeah, it's going to be wildly thorough. Right now, the fourth decision that's made. Okay. So once, once the short list of vendors is submitted to a leadership team, the fourth decision has to be that the leader that's going to represent this, the executive team has to decide on their preference as well. And then they need to decide how they're going to represent that to the executive team. So they decide on a preference and how they're going to represent it to the executive team. So usually a VP will come back involved in this process. Usually it's even the same VP from the beginning that's leading the business group. And they need to go through all of the findings of the evaluation committee and the recommendations and why and make sure they understand it with enough detail that they can answer any questions of the executive committee. So they'll go through and kind of have another little mini sales cycle and kind of catch up very quickly as to what everybody else has concluded and then collect that information and usually add to it a thorough representation of the business case. Yep. Because a lot of times the evaluation committee is not really focused on thoroughly creating the business case, but they need that when they're representing to the executive committee. 
So collecting and deciding on the preferred vendor and then collecting the information they need for the business case and preparing that presentation for the executive team, or at least that conversation, that's then the forced decision. I'm going to take it forward to the executive committee for approval. And you want to know how you become the preferred vendor in the fourth decision, Rusty? You help them with the first three decisions. Yes, you do. If you help them with the first three decisions, your chance of coming out of the fourth decision of being the preferred vendor from there is much higher. And, and I think we're going to break that down. We should, as soon as we get through this little piece, break down every decision. What is it exactly that consumers are thinking about mm-hmm. and what you can do to help them? We should yeah. go through that. That'd be great. So the fifth decision then becomes this, which is that the executive team needs to decide to go into contract negotiation. So there's a preliminary executive approval. And this is kind of, again, you know, salespeople get happy years. Oh, they've, they've decided they're going to go. <laughs> but you have to understand what the process is to actually go through and execute a contract. So how do they negotiate it? How do they go through and create purchase orders and how they go through the formal budgeting process? So the executive committee will give an initial preliminary approval to go into contracting and into contract negotiations. And then again, the sale changes. And at each of these decision points, the sale changes what you're doing and what you're engaging in and what the customer needs is different at each point. At this point, they need contracts, terms of use, negotiation. They need to be talking about the details around pricing and make sure they get purchase orders and things of that nature. Yeah. At that decision. It's a heavy one getting to that point. It is. I feel like this is a big win when they get to the constant deciding I'm going to, I'm going to move forward with something. Yeah. And that's a committed deal. I mean, think about Rusty, you may know the statistics, but how many deals are lost to no decision or not ch- no not changing? It's a fairly, I mean, of the loses, of the losses, that is that not the highest? It's very high. And it depends on the type of technology or the type of, of things that you sell. But if it's something that's mission critical and that has high complexity and a lot of effort to be able to not just install, but also to change people's behavior, the more complex it is, the more you're going to lose to indecision where someone will at any of these decision points push back and say, hold on, we got to stop. Yeah. And by the way, that can happen at any of these levels of decision, but it's literally, you're talking 65%. Yeah. 70%. It's a large margin. It is. So getting past five, I think you're you're looking pretty good, especially if you helped with the first four. Exactly. That's when you're in commit. Now you can still lose. Yeah. You can still lose, especially if you start changing the game. Mm-hmm. If you start changing pricing or you start changing things after the executive team has already approved a certain price point, then you're, you're, you're toast. That's a good yep. way to get your project canceled. Yep. Unless you're changing it to lower numbers. Right. And then the, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you change it in, in the advantage of the customer, you're fine. Uh, and the last point is, is decision six, which is the decision to sign. That's the last piece. Everything is done, ready to go. We're now deciding to sign. So when you recap them and you, you put it in kind of this process, the first decision is to pursue an evaluation. So sales development director gets engaged. They start working on a process. They talk to the VP and say, hey, here's what I'm finding. Can I go through and evaluate? Yes, you can. That evaluation then goes from the champion to some of the people on their same team. And they'll evaluate and they'll work together to find out more information to then collect up enough momentum and business case to then make a political decision of involving other people from other groups to commit their resources and time and expertise to the sell cycle. That's decision two. Decision three, they decide on a short list of vendors to submit to the executive team, which usually the VP who's involved will do. 
So they decide that they want to submit it to the VP. The VP then needs to get caught up on what's going on and decide on a preferred vendor and a method of presenting it, which usually includes business case. Once they've decided to take the executive committee, the executive committee reviews the details, pushes back, makes requests, whatever it might be. But then the executive team approves on enter in entering into contract negotiations. And then from that point, once they've decided to go into contract negotiations, once that process is completed, both on the budgeting and on the legal side, they can then decide to sign. Those are the six decisions. So my favorite is when uh, sales reps start spending the money after decision four, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I will say like, just be careful when you celebrate, right? Like there, I'm all about like celebrating the small wins in life, right? Like each of those decisions, you know, go celebrate and do something exciting, but don't spend the money until six has been completed. Well, let me tell you, man, it's interesting as I've, as I've worked with deals over the years, right. And kind of running a complex sell sales process and a sales division for years where you're selling deals that are million dollars mm-hmm. in ACV. And I can't tell you how many times I would sit down and review a deal and I'd be told, yeah, this deal's committed. It's ready to go. I'm with the decision maker. All right. Who's the decision maker? CIO. <laughs> I remember sitting down with the deal. I was like, it's coming in a week. Okay. It's coming in a week. All right. Who are you talking to? CIO. Well, okay. Well, who else is involved? Well, nobody else. It's just the CIO. They're decision maker. I'm like, okay, there's a 99.5% chance you're wrong based on all of my history. <laughs> no, this time it's different. I'm telling you. Remember sitting out the rep, it's different. It's different this time. And I'm like, it is not different. In fact, let's sit down and let's look at this organization. What's this person's name? Well, it's Jerry Garcia. You know, I go look it up or whoever it is, right? Go look it up in LinkedIn. Director of IT. Director of IT and the other person's the manager of IT. Classic. Classic. <laughs> so where are you? Well, we're, we're working up in the next week to get decision three made, we're going to decide to be able to recommend a specific vendor. In fact, I mean, we might even been in a stage decision two. We're going to decide to bring someone else in to look at this. Okay. But they're deciding now they were deciding. And remember every one of these decisions matters. Every single one of these decisions matters. And at every one of these decisions, you can progress and every one of these decisions you can fail. And you have to be able to provide a customer with what they need to win. Because remember, they're getting approvals internally. They're trying to progress this internally. It's not just you selling the person. It's the person and the champion and the others selling their own company on what's going on. So we we talked about in the last podcast, this idea that if you're selling pest control in the door and you're talking to one of the household members at the door. Yep. Okay. Well, what makes them lose, Ron? when they have not educated that person, like taught that person how to sell internally. Right. Right. I use the example on that one. It's like all the time I, you know, you know, wife would call husband. Hey, do you want pest control? No. All right. I'll let him know. Thanks. That's exactly the right. end. <laughs> you imagine, you imagine if you're a director of a sales development division looking for sales engagement software, you call your VP and say, Hey, um, there's a software. It's like hey, 120 grand a year. It helps us do sales engagement. Do you want that? No, I'm good. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. So, so now you got to break down each decision and we've got to make sure as we break them down, we know we can actually talk through what a customer needs and we, can, we need to know what our prospects need and what we can do to help them to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. So that's what you got to be able to understand. Yeah. So let's start with number one. 
Number one, your leadership group needs to be able to decide, yes, it's worth time to have my division, my group, spend time researching the project. What a customer needs to do at this point, a prospect, they need to know a few things. First of all, they need to know what kind of vendors are out there. They need to know what kind of solutions are in general are available. So they need to know what is an ideal state and who are the vendors and what are the solutions? What does it generally look like? They also have to formulate in their own mind a justification for the project. So I need to be able to explain to my VP why I want this. So they need to formulate that. Here are some of the benefits of doing that. Here's what we lose if we don't have it. What is a VP going to want to know? What it costs. Mm-hmm. So they want to know what it costs. So they need to have a general ballpark of what it costs. This isn't pricing like detailed, you know, line by line pricing. They just need to generally know what it's cost. What is it? How does it work? Why does that matter from a business perspective? And let's weigh that against what it costs. Those are things we need to know to be able to progress, at least initially. When it comes to cost, remember this. The way the conversation goes with the director to the VP is the director says it's 125 grand a year, but I haven't negotiated yet. So don't give your cheapest cost away in decision one. Never. (laughs) No, and you're going to be careful here because that's exactly how the conversation goes. And don't give them too much detail either because they're not even looking for it. You know, the same thing, an initial demo in a sales cycle, they're not looking for an hour and a half. They're just trying to understand what is it that I'm dealing with? How does it generally work? What does it generally cost? How does it solve problems? What should I, what should I be able to do? They just need to be able to explain those things basically verbally mm-hmm. in the first decision. So you keep it light. So what can you do to help? Well, first of all, they need to find vendors. So why don't you provide the vendors? I know this is like scary to everybody here that you would tell other people who your competitors are, but why not provide it? Don't, don't let them sit there and try to go figure it out themselves. Actually show them analyst reports or something and say, hey, these are some of the vendors you should really be looking at. Mm-hmm. It's like counterintuitive, but it saves your prospect time. Also, make sure that they understand the business case. Sometimes early on in the sales cycle, they're just thinking about their problems. They're not thinking about the business case. Help them understand it. Summarize it for them. Help them see case studies. Help them understand what the ideal looks like. Document some of this for them in in this first decision to help them make it. Because again, they have to make a case to decide to commit more resources. It is a decision. So they do need to understand. Give them ballpark pricing. Give them a high-level demo. Give them information they need. Package it together with business case and reason so that they're armed with the educational components they need to help make a case. And then talk to them about that case. Yeah. And if you leave those things out, they're going to fail. I love it. I mean, the whole idea of introducing competitors, I love that idea. It makes me think about, you know, a past experience I had where selling against a very small company at the time. And I worked for a very large company, um, at least in that space. And what was interesting is the, the prospect came to me and said, well, I'm, I'm looking at this, uh, review sites. I'm looking at this review site and you guys are number four on the review site. And this other group is number one. And I'm thinking to myself, I've never heard of that review site in my life. I don't know where that I've, I've never had no, this? not very reputable review site, but the prospect doesn't know that they don't, you know, and, and we were number one in Gartner. We were number one in Forrester. We were number one in these larger things, but because our competitor gave them a list of all the competitors in the market, 
based upon a review site that they knew they were number one on, it put them in an advantage, right? And it was a difficult advantage to overcome, even though it was like, well, that's not very reputable. It makes you sound like it makes you sound like you're a shady sales guy. We we're like, well, that's not reputable. Look at this other one, you know? Yeah, it does. And so you don't want to really go against that, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing for you to do. If you're number one in Gartner, that's what you should show them. Yeah. And you got to put the right kind of vendors, mm-hmm. the right kind of comparisons together, because if you bring a vendor that has a third of your capabilities and a third of your price, if they come in and compete with you and your prospect doesn't go through a thorough enough evaluation, they could discount you. They could just throw you out because you're way too expensive because they think you do the same things, which oftentimes you don't. If you can help them to put the right vendors in the right categories together so that they're comparing apples to apples, it'll help you win. Yeah. So the second the second area on decision two, remember, is that we need to bring other people inside the organization to seriously evaluate the project. And I've seen that a lot of salespeople kind of make a mistake where they try to say to a, a prospect, like if I come to you, Ron, I say, hey, Ron, we just had a discovery call. And after the first conversation, I say, hey, Ron, um, I need to talk to your IT team. I, I need to, you know, I need to talk to your boss. Who's your boss? Can we get your boss on the phone here? How are you going to feel if I do that? Nervous. I'm not introducing someone I don't trust to my boss yet. Why? It's just a fact of I don't want to look bad. Right. I feel like I'll look bad if I'm sending salespeople to my boss. If I haven't done an evaluation and I can't back you first, I feel comfortable taking you to my boss if I feel comfortable with you and your services. 100%. But not if I don't feel that way yet. Right. Now, now, that, now that's not just your boss, too. What about other people inside the company? Let's say you're Same. running or, or IT or marketing. You don't want them to come on the phone with somebody. It's all political. This is why your guy lied about being the CIO in your, your previous example. Right. Cause he didn't want you to go to the CIO or try to, or yeah. say, I'm going to go around you. Yep. So what a customer needs to do at this point in the sell cycles, they have to understand everything well enough and understand you and all the vendors well enough that they're confident and grounded in any kind of recommendations they're making because they have to take a political risk to bring other people into the sale. Mm -hmm. So they need to understand things like, I need to put the committee together. I need to see a demo what's going on in more detail. I need to know what the general steps are in evaluating this, because they're gonna ask me that. What are the next steps? What do we need to do? This is a champion who's gonna help guide this whole cycle. They need to know what's going on. They need to understand, you know, at a basic level, what implementation potentially looks like you know what they need to know more details and do a little bit more of a thorough evaluation. So essentially they're going to run a full mini sales cycle based on their capabilities and knowledge. But again, they lack expertise. They lack the full expertise, but they want to gather as much information as they can. So they don't look bad Mm -hmm. internally. And they also know that if they don't represent it right, they're not going to commit the expertise they need to get the project done. Yeah. Cause they're going to lose because the company could easily decide this isn't worth it. This isn't worthwhile. We're going to shut this down. But the champion doesn't want it to get shut down. So they need to be armed with that information. So they need good analyst reports and data. They need to review them with them and really digest the information. They need an overview of what's possible and how this stuff should actually work. They need to do a lot of research. They need to understand the the cursory components of an evaluation cycle and what is all involved. Those are things that they need to understand and needs to be documented. They also need to potentially look at initial scope 
so they can ask basic questions so they don't look foolish internally. And they need to collect up that information and collect up some of these narrowed down vendors in order to get approval to move. So it's similar to stage one, but it's more details. So the, the first stage, you know, the first decision is more basics. It's like generally this is about what it costs generally, but now they need a lot more detail. So they have a, a better justification. hundred percent. And I'll say that like one thing I hate rusty as much as I, the one reason I hate referring someone to my boss or to someone else is because I don't like it when people make me get on a demo for something that I'm not actively looking for. No, it's annoying. But if you come to me, Rusty, and you say, hey, I've looked at this, and it's really cool, and these are the reasons why, and this is why it's worth 30 minutes of your time or an hour of your time, then I'm much more excited about taking a demo in the middle of my day when I'm really busy, because everyone is really busy, right? So, you know, not only you're going to start the demo off on a bad foot with your whoever you're trying to talk to, or if it's not a demo, another call or whatever else, when you they're entering it with a negative state of mind instead of a positive. So if you do a good job of selling internally, letting your champion be excited about the products and services by getting them excited beforehand, and then they can sell it internally to their boss and to other people and bring their excitement level, that person's going to enter the call with a little bit more enthusiasm, a little bit more positivity as opposed to, oh, I hope I can get this demo done quick. Exactly. Move on. So what about decision number three? Let's go through that. This one. is a big one. I mean, this is really where an, an evaluation committee that's cross-functional is going to make a recommendation to the executive team as to what vendors they want. Mm-hmm. And they've got to be thorough. And that's a lot of the reason why you have IT and project managers that come in because they're really good at being thorough. And in this, at this point, they need to essentially go through a lot of the same things. They need to see demos, pricing, all those things, but it has to be really detailed. So when they look at a demo of a piece of technology or something, they need to see exactly what is it going to look like when it's deployed. They need to verify that all the capabilities are there. They need to list out all of the features that are required for this project to be successful and which ones does each vendor have. They need to do feature comparisons of vendors. They also need to do pricing comparisons of vendors to ensure that all pricing is categorized for all of the capabilities. They need to build more specific business cases. They need to build out kind of a, uh, of a general view of the lay of the land of exactly what it's going to look like. They need to understand exactly how many hours and what the implementation process will look like. They have to assemble the entire impact of what happens to the company. Now, as salespeople, we think of it in terms of price, that we're exchanging money for a service, and that's it. Really, what's happening is it's not just that they're spending money They're also committing a whole set of resources from multiple departments to help change the way the company is doing business in order to utilize a piece of technology or to utilize new processes. So all of these things have to be figured out in this this third decision, including things like proofs of concept. They have to think through what will our executive team ask and let's make sure that we carefully catalog everything to ensure we have all of the answers. Carefully catalog is key here. For me, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of vendors in my time and what I really appreciate is when they send me a bulleted list of the things that I need to know. I think a lot of salespeople, we don't like the the amount of time and work that that takes to put in. No. But it makes a huge difference when I get an email that says 
This is implementation timeline. This is implementation cost. This is product cost. This is the benefits that we've discussed. This is the ROI that you can expect. Because I, if I'm going to go internally sell this, I really want to have all of that information at my disposal. And me drafting it up myself, it's, it's a lot of work on me too to do that. It's a ton of work. And honestly, a lot of times, if I'm being straight honest with you, Rusty, there's been times that I'm like, I don't have time to do this right now. No, you don't. And, and most people don't. They don't necessarily have time to sit and build project plans all day. So if you want your deal to move forward, do it for them and with them. Yeah, because honestly, there's been multiple times that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to push this off five months. All the time. A few months. Just because I don't have time to build the project plan right Right. now. But as a salesperson, if you can get in with them and you can actually show them something with a high degree of competency. Mm -hmm. Say, look at all these comparison sheets I've got. Look at these price comparison sheets I've got. Look at this project plan I have. If you do the work, you'll help the deal progress and you'll close more. Mm-hmm. You'll prevent that delay or that cancellation, which is the majority of deals. Yeah. So let's talk about number four. Let's move right along here. I see decision number four. So in the fourth decision, it's really the, the leader that needs to decide to represent the executive committee. And in the fourth decision, there's two aspects to it, which is playing catch up. So getting the VP that's representing it to the executive team fully educated on everything that's happened in the sales process and get them caught up with it. And then second, developing and building the right kind of business case. Mm -hmm. Because usually in the third decision, it's more focused on the capabilities, the pricing, the details, than it is focused on the business case. But the executive team is more concerned about business case than anything, Mm -hmm. which is how this is going to help our company. Now they want to know that the details are taken care of and they're going to ensure that that's the case, but they're not going to get into them. What they're focused on is what's the business case. So what they need to do is, is the VP needs to get a full understanding of exactly what it is that we're recommending and why, so that when they go to the executive committee, which will be a mix of business decision makers and technical decision makers, they can represent the project at a high level in a way that makes sense, and then they can justify why the company's going to make that investment. Because you can better believe that the CIO does not want to invest a whole bunch of implementation resources and, and if it's going to be a lot of pain. Customer service group is not going to want to do that if it's going to affect them or, you know, they want to know how it affects everything. So usually the VP understands how things affect it. They just need to understand, okay, let me take a look. Let me see a demo of it. I want to get a feel of it. Go through the pricing with me so I fully understand it. Show me the technical scoping that has been done. They essentially need to review the process and then they need to put together a deck and a presentation that has the business case. We are doing this because of this. Here's how it's going to be financially justified. They have to build a financial justification. Yep. I want to add here too. It's really awesome when you put together a plan for each person in the buying committee that you know this is going to be presented to. So if you know that finance cares about a specific list of items and you know that IT cares about a different list of items, provide that list of items by persona to the VP. So the VP knows exactly how to approach it with the finance team, exactly how to approach it with IT, what they're going to care about in advance. You may know that better than the VP knows that in a lot of scenarios because you've sold this before. So if you can provide that information and make it simple for him to reference or her to reference when going to present internally, it puts you in a a magical position. And this is also when as a salesperson, you don't sell yourself 
Mm-hmm. So never go into these kind of complex deals by yourself. Bring in your leadership teams to kind of help work peer to peer to have real conversations. Yeah. And part of that real conversation should be, is everybody bought in? Does everybody have what they need? What are their concerns? Because again, if that bubbles up to the executive team, you can lose your cell. Yep. So don't move past decision four until everybody's ready to go. Yep. Decision number five. So decision number five is to go into contracting. Ooh, exciting place to be. It, it is. So a lot of times when it comes to getting into contracting and, and getting to that process and making that decision, um, we need to make sure that everything is lined out and understood well. So we have to be able to provide the legal documentation. Um, the, the customer needs to be able to collect legal documentation, non-disclosures, understand buying process timelines. Um, they need to you know, go through and before they, they can enter into contracting, maybe tell other vendors no. Um, they have to kind of apply for purchase orders and make mm-hmm. sure that those purchase orders and the finance team are, are allocated. So these are all things that the customer needs to do. And as a sales rep, what you can do to help is you can be proactive. So provide the contracting documentation, provide non-disclosure agreements, provide detailed pricing that is, that is um, everything they need in a, in a final process. <clears throat> Talk through what those processes are and making sure you understand them and help them to understand that. Because a lot of times your, your champions don't know what these buying processes look like. So VPs will come in and out, but mm-hmm. like your directors of a specific group might not know how these, these processes are done. So tell them, this is what's typical. This is what most companies do. What is your process like? So find those things out and help them understand them and make sure it's all ready and available so that by the time that the executive committee says, yes, we're ready to go into contracting, we're ready to, to get through that process, that they're, they're ready to go. Yeah. I understand it. One of the best experiences I had in this decision was working with a rep and I, you know, I worked for a previous company where filling out the PO was, was multiple hours of work. It was very long and arduous for anybody that wanted any money from the company to buy anything. I had a sales rep that told me, Hey, let me set up a working session. I'll literally sit here with you for three hours and go through that PO with you and do the entire thing in a working session with you and help you answer the questions. And for three hours, we sat there. In fact, it took less time than that because he said, oh, I've, I've filled this out before. Let me send you, I'm going to screen, you know, I'm going to copy and paste this into the chat. You can copy and paste it directly into the thing. This answers your question and yep. it's, it's verbiage that'll work well for the, the PO. Um, and again, I feel like I'm harping on the fact that like the sales reps, if you want to win a deal for me, you got to be willing to do a lot of work to help me help you. Right. Um, but it's, it's something that makes a huge difference. Well, it's either that, or you can just sit and wait because, because what will happen is if you don't participate mm-hmm. in all of these different steps, you'll be sitting around cold waiting. Yeah. They won't reply to you. Yep. They won't talk to you because the VP and the other people are working internally to work, to get a decision. And you're not involved because you're not adding value to what they need to be doing. Yep. You're not helping at all. So because you're not helping, they don't need to talk to you. Yep. And because they're not yet done with their process, they don't have no updates for you. But if another salesperson is in there actually helping, you're going to lose. 100%. Because they're, they're going to, they have a lot of opportunities to convince. Yeah. So lastly, decision number six, let's go through this last one. Yeah. The last decision is just to sign. The process of, of getting to a point of signature is kind of hard for salespeople often 
because a lot of it is just internal. They have to make sure their POs are completed, that the red lines and everything are done, their internal procedures are, are checked off, that their budgets are allocated, that they find the right person who's actually going to sign. And a lot of times they don't have updates for you. So they're going through those approvals and a lot of times they don't need help to do it, to actually go and execute and sign the contract. But make sure that you're providing the right documentation, you're helping to provide the information. But as you're in this last process, help them with their next steps. Mm-hmm. which is we need to get into implementation. We need to start the process of actually going through and progressing the rest of the project. Because for you as a salesperson, you might be done when a contract signed, but that's just when they start. That's when they're beginning. Mm-hmm. So if you can start forwarding the conversation to what they will be working on and what they'll be thinking in the future, you'll stay aligned with them and you'll still have reasons to talk because you're talking about next steps and progression. Whereas they're working these, these signing processes in the background, They're not overly concerned with it as you are, but as long as you have focus on what they're focused on, which is moving beyond it, you'll again, you'll be able to continue to communicate. If all you say is, where's my contract? Where's my contract? Where's my contract? They're not going (laughs) to reply until they have you an update. And then you're like, oh no, I'm not going to get my deal. But they're not going to talk to you unless they have something to talk to you about. Yep. Okay. So one of my favorite stories around this is, uh, again, you know, buying a product and things are going through the process of, you know, it had to go, I'm trying to remember all the steps, but it had to go to, to various people in the, in the process. And it was stuck with our EVP of sales for some reason. And he was just, it was end of quarter or something. So he was trying to get stuff done and lots of stuff going on. And I had a, my sales guy was like, Hey, Ron, I'm going to swing by later. I'm going to bring you some coffees to give to your EVP of sales, his, his executive assistant, who else? And I want you just to tell him, Hey, this coffee's in, uh, you know, we already have budget. You already have everything approved. It's literally just clicking the button. This is, uh, to wake up a little bit to get that button pushed or whatever. I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but it was awesome. I mean, it's just cool that like, it wasn't like, where is it? How is it? How is it? Is it, if it's got it signed yet, is it through that person? Is right. it on to the next person? Instead, it was more like, you know, make, and he even said, he's like, you can make this coffee just come from you. It doesn't have to come from me, but like, just from you, like, Hey, our EVP of sales was Bill Robinson at the time. Just go to, Hey, Bill, here's a coffee for you, man. I'm trying to get that thing signed. Let me know when it's done. And yeah, that, that right. kind of stuff goes a long way. It does. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, that's kind of a summary of the, of the six decisions. And Really appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. I know that's a, that's a lot to consume, but understanding these processes and how companies make decisions will really transform the way you sell. You just have to be able to be willing to put in the work, as Ron said, and understand what they're doing and help them through it. It'll dramatically say it, change how you, how you navigate the sales process. 100%. Again, like always, feel free to reach out to us, guys. We're, we're more than happy to engage with you individually um, with your company if you're if you're running a division or something like that. Um, follow us on, on LinkedIn um, at The Sales Prescription and on every podcast platform we're out there. Share, share our information. We'd love to get out. Thanks, everybody. Much Thanks, love. Everybody.